0: you're listening to the Pursue God Family Podcast, the official channel for marriage and parenting topics at PursueGod.org. Join Tracy and Brian Dwyer every week as they talk about living biblically in an increasingly secular world. Find more resources to continue the conversation at PursueGod.org slash family. Okay, Tracy, well, today we're going to start in on a a new series that we're just calling Boundaries. You can find, all of our listeners can find this series online at our website, Uh, but we're going to be talking through the book by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. The book is called Boundaries, and it's really all about kind of helping to define what boundaries are and to, to talk about where boundaries go wrong in our life. And we're going to break this down into at least five episodes, five lessons uh, with discussion questions. We're, we're going to talk about the 10 laws of boundaries next week. We'll talk about boundaries in parenting. So everything we're going to talk about today by way of introduction, we're going to get deeper into in the in the weeks ahead, talking about marriage and parenting boundaries, even boundaries with in-laws. And Tracy, a lot of the work that we've done with couples really a, a lot of problems couples especially new newly married couples have is you know boundaries with their in-laws so we got so much to talk about so much to unpack today but but we're going to essentially going to be looking at chapters 2 3 and 4 today giving kind of an overview of what boundaries are where they go wrong and and really how boundaries develop. So we're going to finish our time today talking about this from the vantage point of, I don't know if you'd call it child psychology. Now, now I'm no psychologist. You've got your master's in counseling psychology. Before we even get started, Tracy, is, is is this boundary stuff, is it like brand new stuff? Is it in the last couple of years, or has this been around for a long time?
1: This has been around for a long time. And really, I think having an understanding of boundaries and having some you know, defining it and understanding it and then applying it in your life. I think people will find this to be so insightful and help them understand so much about their own kind of internal emotional angst at times, their frustrations in relationships with people. If they feel guilty when they say no, um, if they feel overwhelmed all the time, like there's so much in the life experience of even our young people, but certainly for adults that boundaries, I think will be really helpful for people to start thinking, okay, this is making sense. What my life experience has brought me or this emotional tumult. I feel around certain people or certain relationships that aren't working very well. We can boil it down to boundaries and, uh, that book boundaries by cloud and Townsend. I mean, it's just, it's really been so foundational. um, it's really good what they've put together.
0: Yeah, we'll put a link to the book below if you've if you've never read it, I encourage you to pick it up and give it a read and and maybe even just study it alongside these podcasts as you're listening to this. Again, we encourage you to talk about this. We've got the discussion questions to go along with this at our website so that you can, you know, I think conversations are even more valuable than just listening. You might need to listen to these episodes a couple of times to get some of the language, some of this language is going to be new. Some of these concepts are going to be new for people. Um, but I think everyone can relate to boundaries. I think everyone can relate to having a hard time, um, setting boundaries in your life, maybe feeling like you get walked on or some of you listening, listening might feel like that people in your world get walked on and they don't realize it. So share this episode with those people that's why we love these podcasts. It gives you a chance to listen to it, process it, think about it, play it again, listen to it, process it, think about it. Because I think these next several episodes as we go through this boundaries series is going to be helpful for our listeners. And Tracy, why don't we just start with a definition? This is, this is straight from the book, a, a definition essentially given by the authors uh, Townsend and Cloud. Boundaries define us. They define what is me. And what is not me, a boundary shows me where I end and someone else begins leading me to a sense of ownership. And so there, boy, some of these words, some people listen to that and say, oh, my gosh, this is exactly what I need to talk about. Other people are listening to that saying, I don't really understand what they're talking about because <laughs> probably some listeners aren't even self-aware enough to recognize that they might have what what we would call enmeshment issues where there's just no clear boundary between me and mom or me and dad or me and my spouse or me and my kid or whatever. And so help us understand that definition.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've always used the imagery of like your fenced property around your house that you know, like your defined property lines by a fence. And so at least when our kids were little, we could send them out into the backyard to play, knowing that they would be safe from outside forces anyways, because of that fence, they they that there was a boundary there around them that kept bad stuff out, and the good stuff in. And the irony is, I think for a lot of people, when you think of boundaries, like where I end and someone else begins, you know, some people might be like, well, gee, I mean, so are we just supposed to be these closed off people, just walking around with these big walls that we don't ever let anyone get in. And that's not what boundaries are about, but boundaries are those important fence lines that help you understand what your responsibility is and what's not your responsibility, what's somebody else's responsibility. So for a lot of people, you might be thinking about it in terms of a relationship that you feel may be controlled by their emotions, controlled by their mood. That might be an example then of where your boundaries with that person aren't clearly defined because you're letting... The other person's emotional barometer impact you. So boundaries are just simply the fence line that says, "This is who I am. These are my thoughts, my feelings, my emotions, and I have the ability to just say what's welcome in and what's not welcome in." And that's where that's where, as we talk through this book and over the coming weeks and these different relationships that we have, how important it is to understand. That boundaries are healthy. We need them if we want to be in healthy relationships with people.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people that struggle with their self worth. Maybe they maybe they even have some anxiety issues brought on by something that someone else said to them or the way that they're being treated by somebody. And it, what I what I like to say to people is, why are you why are you letting what that person says? have such sway in your life, have such impact in your life. So if you're listening to this and saying, that's exactly my problem, I can't I can't let go of something that someone else has said to me or the way they treat me, then you need to keep listening because you might have a boundary problem. And ma- again, maybe you never thought about it in those terms, but a healthy person, maybe Tracy, we can define a healthy person who has good boundaries, that a healthy person, again, recognizes what part of what part of an issue that they need to own, and what part of an issue the other person needs to own. Uh, an unhealthy person owns all of it. Or, or does the opposite, an mm-hmm. unhealthy, unhealthy person owns none of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, you know, if you think about Concentric circles, two or not concentric circles, kind of like a Venn diagram. You see you have two circles, one represents you, one represents another person you're in relationship with. There there is going to be some overlap in those circles where you both, you know, that's where you have a relationship, I guess you could say. That overlapping section of those two circles is where you have a relationship. And that, you know, might be bigger for some people the overlap and smaller for others, people. It might even be non-existent at all for other people. You don't have any overlap. You don't want any relationship with them. But what we're talking about is recognizing what is in your circle to own and what is in their circle to own. And, and it, so there's two parts of this is recognize, taking ownership in a healthy way for your stuff, number one, but then not taking ownership for their stuff. And so as you're, as people are listening to this, I encourage you to think about that. Which one are you better at? Are you better at saying, that is yours. That is not on me. I'm not going to internalize that. That's your issue. I'm not going to let your words hurt me. I'm not going to let your words damage me because that's your issue to deal with. Man, I've, meet, I've met some people who have just really do a good job at that. And those are some of the healthiest people that I know. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about boundaries is knowing when to say that's your issue to deal with. That's not on me. And when well, do you say this is on me?
1: Right. And I do think there's something, as I said earlier, there's something freeing about when you have healthy boundaries. Like when you ask, what does it look like to have healthy boundaries? Healthy boundaries give you the freedom to know not only who you are, what defines you, what you care about, what informs your opinions and your values, but then you also know how to interact with those values and those priorities with other people. And so there's a freedom in that. Whereas people that struggle with boundaries are constantly either second guessing themselves because they're letting somebody else's opinion kind of dictate, no, this is what you should care about. This is what you should be doing. Or they become so defensive and don't and are so afraid to hear of other people that they're just completely closed off and aren't teachable in any form or fashion. So a person with healthy boundaries, they know who they are, and they know how to interact in relationship with others without getting lost or losing that part of themselves. And it really actually becomes a very freeing experience that you're not walking around constantly feeling insecure or unsure. You're sure of what you're doing. You're sure of what you care about and how you're interfacing with the world because you've Taking the time to clearly define that for yourselves and other people and their words aren't going to throw you off the scent, so to speak. Now,
0: in chapter three, the authors define four terms, actually a little bit more, but four main terms. And I want to give just a quick overview. And then Tracy, let's spend some time on each one. But for our listeners, I want you to really try to think about this and see if you can't identify where you maybe where where you have the hardest time when it comes to boundaries. Okay, because some people can't say no. Some people can't say no, and some people can't say yes. Okay, so the person who can't say no is called the compliant. This is a person who feels guilty. This is a person who feels controlled by others. They can't say no, they can't set boundaries. Okay, that's the can't say no. The can't say yes person is called the non-responsive. So this is the person who sets boundaries against their responsibility to love so they can never so they're they're afraid they're they're not willing to open themselves up so they can't so these are the two can't says the can't say no no is on one side of the spectrum and they're just being walked all over they can't say yes doesn't let anyone in ever and so both of those are problems both of those are people that need to recognize I've got to work on this I've got to get better in this. So those are the can't says. Now, the next two are the can't hears. Okay, so the the compliant can't say no. The non-responsive can't say yes. The controller can't hear no. So the person who's controlling aggressively or manipulatively violates the boundaries of others. And so this is that aggressive, manipulative person who just you say no all you want to them and they can't hear it. They're going to just, they're going to storm into your life and, and they're going to do what they want anyway. And the person who can't hear yes is, the, is called the avoidant. This is the person who sets boundaries against receiving the care of others. So this is the person who says, I, you know, I, I'm so afraid of people, I've been so burned by people or whatever, that they can't even receive a gift from somebody. They can't say Yes. So you've got the people who can't say yes. You've got the people who can't hear yes. You have the people who can't say no. And the people who can't hear no. Again, I I know people who are just listening to this are saying, okay, that's a lot of information. I'm trying to make (laughs) sense of it. So Tracy, let's slow it down now. And let's kind of look at each one of those one at a time. Let's talk about the compliant person. The compliant person is the one who can't say no. They can never say no. They get walked all over. Talk about that person.
1: Well, yeah, and in the book, they would say the compliant is saying yes to the bad. <laughs> these, are, these are the people that your boundaries are so unclear that you're, like you said, you're just kind of melting into the needs of others. Whatever somebody's asking of you, you're complying. You're going along with it. Doesn't matter if you really want to. Doesn't matter if you have time. Doesn't matter if you have the emotional bandwidth. You feel guilty if you say no. You don't want to hurt their feelings. You don't want them to think you're a bad person, and so you cannot say no to their requests or to their push on your boundaries. And so the compliant person just kind of goes along with it, and they get lost in the needs of others.
0: Yeah, and this is this is like a people pleaser, right? So this is mm-hmm. the one that I think probably you and I both we both can relate to is that we and maybe it's worth saying tracy that there's a kind of a continuum kind of like we what we mm-hmm. said last week about vulnerable narcissists we're not saying that this is necessarily clinical you know that if right. you can see yourself in one of these we're not saying you're you're you need to go see a therapist cuz you're crazy we're just saying there's a there's a spectrum there's kind of a continuum when it comes to this and you might find yourself somewhere on the continuum the so, the earlier you can recognize that the better mm-hmm. for you, because I think, and we'll make sure to talk about this. There's some good, you know, there's some good boundaries you can set so that you can become healthier in this. But this is something Tracy, probably both of I, both you and I can relate to. We'd say, yeah, we, we're the kind of people who just say yes way too much.
1: Yeah. I think the people pleaser, I mean, I do, I want to speak to the people pleasers out there and I'm one of them. And I I've really, I've come a long way in realizing, even though I have some counseling training how I have let the opinions of others, how they view me impact my ability to say no. And I think what that does in the end for the people pleasers is if we don't have a more distinct boundary and we just keep saying yes to the bad, meaning yes to everyone else's needs and never saying, you know what, I don't have time for that. Um, That isn't a priority for me right now. I end up getting that internal stress then and i become then more reactionary maybe in other areas of my life because i'm i've taken on more than i should and the reason why i did that was cuz i want people to like me because i want to be seen as a person that's wise and helpful and so i want to meet everyone's expectation that they have of me and i've come to realize that sometimes well at the end of the day it's not about i'm not living my life to please other people or match what they think I should be. That's why this is so groundbreaking to think about boundaries where you begin and where someone else ends. That as a people pleaser, there have been times that I've tried to conform to some picture that I feel like people have had of me. And it's it's not necessarily what God says he wants for me. Or what I feel like I need for me. And I've kind of gotten lost in that. And I've said yes to things that I shouldn't have said yes to. And that's had an impact on me emotionally and even relationally.
0: Okay, so that's the compliant. The, the person who says yes to the bad. They, they can just never say no to anyone. So they end up saying yes to the good and to the bad. The next, the next person is the avoidant. And this is the person who says no to the good. Mm-hmm. Right? So the compliance says yes to the bad, but the avoidant says no to the good. Here's a quote from the book. It's the inability to ask for help to recognize one's own needs to let others in. So avoidance withdraw when they're in need, and they don't ask for the support of others.
1: Yeah, and maybe that's someone that you've been in a relationship with. Maybe this is you where you know that your boundaries aren't clear. And so... Instead of working on that, you just completely shut down and don't let anybody in to help you. And maybe that's for because you feel like your reputation, your loss of clear demarcation of boundary is that you have been known to be a person that has it all together. And so if you were to ask for help, boy, that's going to make you look weak. And so you don't. And so you just say no to the good things of people that are in your life saying, Hey, let me help you with that. Whether it's in your job, whether it's, you know, with your friends or something within your family, you just don't have the ability to say, I'm kind of struggling right now. I need help. You have too much pride or you're trying to measure up to some standard that you've created for yourself or you think others have of you that you don't let the good stuff in.
0: Okay. So again, if you're listening, I hope you're thinking through this saying, okay, which one am I? Am I a compliant, someone who says yes to the bad? Am I an avoidant, someone who says no to the good? And here's, here's one other little twist that the <laughs> authors put in there. They talk about compliant avoidance. Mm-hmm. So people who have both of these traits, because some listeners might be saying, wait, I think I do both of those things. <laughs> so so you, you suffer from what is called, the authors call reversed boundaries, Which means that you have no boundaries where you need them, but you have boundaries where you shouldn't have them. It's like the Mm -hmm. worst of both worlds. (laughs) It's someone who is so jacked up with their, with kind of how they see themselves, how they see other people, and a lot of times this happens in abusive relationships. That they, they, they say no to the, they say yes to the bad and no to the good, Mm -hmm. and they do both of these things, and and that really is kind of the saddest case.
1: Yes, I think that for. Most of us, we'd probably find ourselves more in one category or the other. But yeah, that compliant, avoidant, yeah, you're just being completely overwhelmed by everyone and their demands of you. But then you're not asking for help because you don't have the boundaries to say, I'm I'm struggling, I'm drowning in all of this and I need help.
0: Or you don't have the understanding that you you have worth and value mm-hmm. as a person and you deserve you deserve the help. You deserve the love. You deserve something better than what you have. Again, I think of when I, when I read that description of someone with reversed boundaries, I just think of someone who is in a, an abusive relationship and they really don't understand the value that they have, the, the dignity and worth that they have. And so they don't ever put their foot down. They don't ever, they're not ever willing to receive help. And these are the people that really need it the most. Okay, so those are compliance and avoidance. There are two more. The next one is called the controllers. And this is the person who doesn't respect other people's boundaries. This is the person that barges into your life, into your relationship, and they're they're just absolutely controlling. And Tracy, I would imagine this is that if people related to being a narcissist, then Mm -hmm. they probably would fall into this category as well because I think these two things probably have some overlap.
1: Well, and I also think we need to think about this in terms of not just someone's boundaries pushing in on you and controlling you, but are you a controller? Are you a person that you look at relationships and you're kind of demanding and you don't like when people tell you no or give you the hand of like, whoa, that's too much you might, you know, that's the thing. It's not just am I on the receiving end of am I married to someone or am I in a relationship with someone that's a controller, but am I that? Is that how I interface with people? I have a hard time reacting or responding or respecting when somebody says no to us.
0: Yeah, and there are two types of controllers. There are aggressive controllers and manipulative Mm -hmm. controllers. So aggressive controllers don't listen to others boundaries they just don't care they run over other people's fences like a tank they're sometimes verbally abusive and sometimes even sadly they can be physically abusive so those are aggressive controllers and and I hope Tracy that that if there are some listening right now to this boy this is one where if if they're an aggressive controller it sometimes it's really hard to admit that it's hard to look in the mirror and say oh my gosh that describes me, I'm an aggressive controller, and I need to stop.
1: Yeah, I mean, it might, you, you might need to think of yourself as like the employer, like what kind of a boss are you what kind of a parent? Do, are you just a person that's like, the, it, things are my way. And I don't care what your feelings are. I don't care if it's what you want to do. This is the deadline. These are the rules. And you just kind of you don't even you don't even take into account what the other person might be thinking or feeling or why they might be slow to respond to a request or maybe are creating some distance in the relationship. Well, it might be because you're an aggressive controller and you're not listening to them. They've tried to come to you to say something with their words like this is too much. I'm overwhelmed or I feel like you're critical of me all the time. And we're just kind of bulldozing thinking of it in terms of, I want you to do things the way I want you to do them when I want you to do them.
0: Now, controllers aren't always aggressive. Sometimes they're more subtle, and that's Mm -hmm. called a manipulative controller. This is the person who tries to persuade people out of their boundaries. They talk others into yes. They indirectly manipulate circumstances to get their way. They seduce others into carrying their burdens, which means that they probably use a lot of guilt messages.
1: Hmm. Yeah. The guilt messages is probably the more, that's probably the thing that maybe jumps out at people. And again, think of it in terms of, of yourself. Do you, when somebody says no, you know, are we like, Oh, but Oh my gosh, don't you know how much I need you right now? You know, like we use these, manipulative tactics, we try to play to their emotions or, or make them feel guilty for saying no, because we want them to say yes to our needs. And and the problem with that is we're still trying to control people, we're still invading their fenced yard by saying my needs are more important than your needs. So now, maybe I'm not going to be aggressive in the way I request it and demand it of you, but I'm going to now make you feel bad play to your emotions to still get you to do it my way.
0: Yeah. So an aggressive controller would, would fit the grandiose narcissist Mm -hmm. profile, but a manipulative controller would fit the vulnerable narcissist. And both, both of those are just so hard to deal with. They're so difficult to deal with because again, we talked about this last week when we talked about vulnerable narcissism, that, If you're in a relationship with a vulnerable narcissist, you're probably, if they're the controller, you're probably the compliant Mm -hmm. or, or maybe you wouldn't have ended up in the relationship in the first place, or at least the relationship wouldn't, wouldn't last if you weren't the compliant Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: a controller needs a compliant person. Um, and so for, again, for those listening, I think each one of these has its own, has its own issues, but it's also, it can, it can be just shades of each of these. So even if you listen to the controller, aggressive or manipulative and say, you know what, that's me, I do tend to do that sometimes be aware of that, be mindful of that, maybe even talk with the person that you're in relationship with about that and be honest and say, is that do you feel that way sometimes with me? And, and then I think you can begin to work on that and and establish a healthier relationship together.
1: But here's the thing that I think is important to recognize as we talk about boundaries. So as you're thinking about this for yourself, if do I have clear defined boundaries, that if the aggressive controller in your life is trying to demand something that you're able to say, you know what, no, I'm not responsible for your feelings. I'm not responsible for your um, whatever that project or whatever that thing is that needs to get done. I don't, I don't have time for that, or that's not my responsibility. So you have that clear line of delineation between those two with the manipulative controller. You can say, you know what? I'm really sorry that this You're in a hard place. And I know you seem overwhelmed, but I can't take on that burden that you have. That's not mine to carry. So I'm not going to let that manipulation now come in and impact me and make me feel like I need to do something different now, I know we'll talk more about this that might seem cold or that seems unfeeling, but the problem is if we don't have clear boundaries and we're either controlled by the aggressor or the manipulator, what ends up happening is we end up in the end having resentment towards that person. And in a lot of cases, so many things will get built up that are that eventually you'll just kind of explode on that relationship and you'll do more damage through your storing up of frustrations and anger Than it is to just be able to kindly say, you know what? No, I can't do that. I'm so sorry. I love you. But that isn't mine to carry or that's not mine to deal with. That's why it's so important to learn how to draw these healthy boundaries and know how to respond if people are pushing in on them. So that you can be the better friend or spouse or boss because you know who you are. You know where you start, where you end and where someone else begins. And you're not as the you're not trying to control others and and pushing in on their boundaries. But you're also not letting others control or push in on yours.
0: Yeah. And the authors give one more. One more category, and this is called the non-responsive. And this is the one that Tracy might need the most explaining because some people might confuse saying no with a non-responsive. And so help us to determine, to kind of draw a distinction between the two. Let me first read what a non-responsive is from the text. It says that a non-responsive is someone who doesn't hear the needs of others. They just can't hear the needs of others. So these are people with a critical spirit, toward the neediness of somebody else. They hate being incomplete in themselves and as a result they ignore the needs of others. So this means that they're absorbed in their own desires and needs so much so that they exclude others. So again it's kind of a form of narcissism, mm-hmm. the non-responsive, but it's not a it's not a controlling narcissism, it's a non-responsive narcissism.
1: Yeah, I mean, this is this is what's so hard when we And we'll talk more about this in the future of just, you know, the environment in which we were raised and just how our sense of self, our identity, our worth, how this has such an impact then on our ability to be in healthy relationships with others. Because the non-responsive is so broken in their own confusion about who they are and who they want to be and how they want people to perceive them and how they want to be in relationship and kind of a self loathing that they can't even see anybody else and their issues or their needs, because they're so wrapped up in their own confusion and brokenness. And so it just, it really, it's actually very heartbreaking for a non responsive to just, you can't even you can't even see the needs of others. So just imagine that that you can't be in a healthy relationship with someone if you can't even If you don't have the bandwidth to see like other people are hurting, other people have opinions, other people have feelings because you're too, you're too wrapped up in your own to see it.
0: Okay, so let me summarize one more time the compliant person can't say no, the controller can't hear no, the non responsive person can't say yes, and the avoidant person can't hear yes. So again, this is chapter 3 in the in the book called Boundaries. If you want to read that and get more information on that. But think about where you are. We'll come back to this as we continue over these next few weeks as we apply this to marriage and parenting and in-laws and all these different things. But but Tracy, I, let's let's finish this episode by talking about how these problems develop in the first place. And not just how the problems develop, but then therefore how proper boundaries develop because some some people are listening to this saying i don't know why i don't know how but i have proper boundaries in my life i've <laughs> i've been able to i don't feel like i'm really squarely in any one of those camps I, i'm pretty good at saying no i'm pretty good at saying yes in the appropriate times and but others are sitting here saying i'm a broken person i listen to these things and i clearly <laughs> have problems and and i need some help and so in chapter 4 the authors talk about how these how these things develop and and they talk a lot in chapter 4 and this is way way beyond my expertise or really even your expertise mm-hmm. Tracy so we're not mm-hmm. pretending to be therapists here but I do think it's important to understand that they're talking about this idea of attachment that attachment is the foundation of the soul's existence and when when this foundation is cracked or faulty then boundaries become impossible to develop over time, because when we lack relationship, we have nowhere to go in a conflict. And and what they talk about in chapter four is, is how your, your early childhood development impacts your attachment to your parents, or to, you know, the people, the you know, people giving you care in your life early on. And that some of these boundary problems, especially the ones that you feel like, I don't even know why I have such a hard time with this, maybe there is some issue with maybe you didn't attach so well in the beginning. Now, again, the caveat is we're not therapists. We're not professionals. <laughs> uh, the, these authors are, but even even for them, they're just giving these broad brushstrokes on some of these concepts. So let's talk about these two ideas, Tracy, separation and individuation. Those are big words. Help us understand what those mean.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think for all of us, none of us can control the family we grew up in, right? So for some of us, you know, as adults now looking back on life and maybe a, a rough childhood or a family system that wasn't safe for you to develop and to have these healthier attachments that lead to then healthy boundaries in your life as an adult. I'm sorry for that, you know, for those that have had that experience. The good news is you can learn. You can it's not too late. You can learn how to still create healthy boundaries in your life despite what your early childhood would have done for parents that are actively in the parenting years, recognize like how we raise our kids, the environment that we create is really important because what the attachment theory reveals. And I remember in college and undergrad working in a lab that studied attachment and watching and observing how kids would come in with a parent and you could watch the, The toddlers who felt safe to kind of leave mom or dad and start to play and explore the room and come back and check in every so often versus those that either were clinging to mom or dad because they didn't feel safe for some reason or were exploring and never checking in with mom depending on the relationship and the attachments that they had. And so what the authors are talking about is that there's this balance between when infants recognize like attachment especially to mom they need mom for food and for protection and for clothing and you know every every need is met by mom and dad but as they start to crawl you notice how they're cruising around and starting to learn like oh okay i'm kind of moving separate from mom or dad right now and whoa what's what's all this stuff out here that i can kind of explore and learn about and then mom and dad have to be like, "Okay, yep, you can explore a little bit, but we got to come back. You got to learn the environment you're in and what's safe and what's not, right? And we start to use that word no and our kids start to respond, right? Infants and toddlers start to respond to this word or a tone of voice that's like, "Oh, okay, nope, that was bad. I got to redirect this way." So the whole idea is this idea of separation and individuation is it's healthy for when our kiddos are little that we recognize that we need our parents, but we also have an environment we're allowed to explore and kind of learn within proper boundaries, it's safe for me to kind of go out on my own, so to speak. And that, of course, develops over time. And as our kids get older, and they learn how to talk, and they learn how to run, and they learn, you know, and they're going to school and around kids, like it's a constant thing of learning the boundaries of what's safe, what's appropriate, but that our kids have the ability to say, I'm my own person. I'm separate from mom and dad. Um, I have to now learn that my actions carry consequence and mom and dad aren't controlling me.
0: Yeah. And so the authors call this the not me and me experience. So recognizing early on as an infant, recognizing this this, this perception that my mom is different. That's a different person than me. So if you remember how we started this episode, we talked about the definition of boundaries, boundaries define what is me and what is not me. And so in chapter four here, the authors are helping us kind of connect the dots on that and say how, you know, for some people, for many people that you, if you never really properly understood where you end and someone else begins, and the first person for most people is going to be your mom, or I guess it could be your dad, your care, your primary caregiver. If you don't, if you don't develop that early on, then you might end up carrying that into your relationships in grade school and in junior high and in high school, and then of course into college and marriage.
1: Well, yeah. And one thing I would say too, for a lot of us, you maybe if you think about how you learned growing up that you, you being a good boy or girl made mom or dad happy. And if you did wrong, mom or dad was sad. And so for some people, then that's where that, you could start to see how boundaries get confused or blurred. Then you take on this responsibility of saying, oh, it's on me to make sure mom or dad are happy. So I have to perform, I have to do, I have to do all these things. And the reality is in a healthy family, even though certainly our kids can make us proud or can make us sad, but we're not putting that burden that it's all about what they're doing or not doing that makes mom or dad happy or sad. So it's that learning how the boundaries of I can't, I'm not responsible for your emotional response to things or to your mental health. And then for a lot of kids and a lot of families, that gets blurred really fast. And mom and dad put a lot of pressure on kiddos or kiddos start to feel that pressure. And then there's this kind of codependency that starts to develop in those family relationships. And what we want to get to is this whole thing with attachment is that, we're creating an environment where our kids learn that they're their own person and that as they grow and learn certain things, we're giving them opportunity to make their own choices. And with that, there's going to be consequences, right? If we choose good choices, then we're rewarded. If we choose bad choices, then there's punishment. But they that we're training our kids from a young age to learn you are your own person. You have to create your own boundaries. And I'm not responsible for your emotional response to something just like you can't be for mom or dad.
0: Yeah. And it's so important, I think, for parents to understand this. And again, we'll get into this in greater detail in a couple of weeks when we address boundaries in parenting, because Tracy, isn't it true that if, if a mom or a dad um, didn't properly attach to their mom or dad, then it's pretty easy to bring that same dynamic, you know, inadvertently, not on purpose, but it, it's easy to bring that same mm-hmm. dynamic into your parenting. And so then you kind of pass this dysfunction on through the generations because nobody ever stops to think about hold on a second what's the proper healthy way for me to attach to my children even if my parents didn't have a healthy way of attaching to me when I was a kid
1: yeah it really is uh yeah you have to be able to there has to be a level of um well I mean again just in parenting you know if you're if you're not a healthy parent what you're passing on to your kids and that you're trying to you know meet your emotional needs or lack of feeling a sense of self-worth in your kids or it just it can get messy really fast and that's why like you know there's so much to this we we can't do justice to it in in one podcast, I do really encourage people to read the book and to be thinking about it and be having conversations with people as you kind of process your own growing up, how you feel like you formed your boundaries, where you feel like maybe your boundaries are not clearly defined, because it, it'll it be informative to look back and be like, okay, yeah, I see how my relationship with my mom has not exactly been healthy. We we I've been too dependent on her or she on me for different reasons. Um And it's not too late to start saying, okay, how do I start to develop healthy boundaries moving forward?
0: Yeah, the authors, we we won't get into it now, but we will in a few weeks when we cover this for parents. But they talk about these three stages as, as kids learn how to separate and individuate. Stage one is hatching. Stage two is practicing. Stage three is reproachment. Again, you can read chapter four to learn more about it, or just make sure to tune in in a couple of weeks. But basically it's it's all kind of leading to the this 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 important word and let's finish with this Tracy the this important word when it comes to establishing boundaries and the word is no n o <laughs> and really what what happens is is kids are learning how to use the word in these early stages in their early childhood and the parents response to that is so important the parent how the parents respond to no is so important. So again, we'll talk about this in a couple of weeks for parents. But for, t- for today, at least, maybe you can think about this in your relationship with your parents. Because parents have two tasks associated with no. Here's what the authors say. First, they need to help their child feel safe enough to say no. So you can't be someone who doesn't hear a no from your kids. Now, you're still the parent. They're the kid. They're not in charge, of course. But... Do you need to create a safe space for them to say no? So you're trying to encourage them to explore and understand and to begin to develop their boundaries. So that's the first task. Parents have to create a safe space for no. But then the second task is helping their kid to respect other people's boundaries. So your kid might say no, but, but children need, need to be able not only to give a no, but also to take a no. And, and that's, of course, Tracy from mom or dad first, right? So a parent who just gets a no, and sometimes we've seen this, it's devastating to see this when parents are literally, parents are dominated and ruled by their two-year-old. That is a problem. That is, <laughs> you are probably raising, little do you know, you're raising a controller because, because you're letting them call all the shots. So you need to make it safe for them to say no, but there are still times when you need to teach them to, to hear a no and take it.
1: Yeah. And I think, you know, that could be little things like maybe there's going to be food choices that your two year old's going to or three year old's going to be like, I really just the green beans. I just can't do the green beans, mom. Let me let me do a different vegetable, you know, like giving them giving them the freedom to say like, that's okay. Some of us just have an adverse reaction to certain textures or or flavors or whatever, like those would be some examples of things that you kind of teach your kid. Like, that's okay. You can say no to that. Or if a, if a sibling's constantly taking the toy, like it's okay for you to say, no, that's not okay for you just to take the toy. I was playing with that. But then we're also teaching our kid, like when somebody has to say no to us, that we don't throw a tantrum, that we don't hit, that we don't push, that we can say like, no, they, you get to say no to some things. Someone else gets to say no to things. So if you think about that, if if we were all being reared in an environment where we learned these ideas of boundaries and, and how to say no when someone's encroaching on us, but also be able to be respectful when someone else needs to say no to us, we would all be so much healthier adults.
0: Yeah, and we'll talk more about the parenting side of things in just a few weeks. And again, you can find all of this online, and we'll put a link to it below to our boundaries series online. And we'll also put a link to the book written by Cloud and Townsend. We Really, it's a great read. We encourage that you pick it up, that you read along with it as we unpack it. Make sure to join us next week because next time we're going to talk about the 10 laws of boundaries before we go in to apply those over the several weeks beyond that. So make sure to keep joining us for this excellent series called Boundaries. Now, everything you just heard right there is going to be included at Flextalk.org. There's a boundary series at Flextalk.org. If you've got some friends who maybe aren't interested in the biblical perspective on this yet, then that would be a great place to point people to. But if you want to listen to the faith-based version of the Boundaries series, you can find that at PursueGod.org. Again, we'll put a link below for that one. But we wanted to just jump back on to um, address what these authors who, by the way, Tracy, these authors are Christians, right? Cloud and Townsend are Christians. It's a Christian book. It's r- really helpful. I think it's a great evangelistic opportunity. If, if our listeners have friends who are struggling with boundaries, they have a real felt need in their lives. This is a great book. And I think people would read it even though the authors are coming at it from a Christian point of view. But one of the things they talk about, In the first couple of chapters when they're defining boundaries, is this passage from Galatians chapter six, which I've always found found really fascinating. And I love I love how Cloud and Townsend explain this. Because it it says in, in Galatians chapter six, dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly godly should gently and humbly help that person back on the right path. And it says in verse two there, share each other's burdens, and in this way you obey the law of Christ. So so Paul is saying that to the church in Galatia, share each other's burdens on one hand in verse two, but a lot of Christians find it really confusing that in verse five, it says, for we are each responsible for our own conduct. So it's like, it's like Paul has these two things going on that if you don't really understand the context for this passage, you might think it's a contradiction in the Bible. It's not a contradiction. And the authors do a good job explaining this. They're, they're saying, look... What what's happening here is it's showing the kind of the me and not me uh, side of things that Paul is saying that you are responsible for your own conduct. You have to take ownership of your own stuff. In fact, chapter five was the the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh. So all of this is in the context of sin and dysfunction and brokenness and so much so much of that's relational. And yet what he says in verse five is you're responsible for your own conduct. So again, that's the me. I need to own my own part of this. I need to own what's in my circle. But then verse two is talking about the fact that we shouldn't just be focused on ourselves, that we should share each other's burdens. So there's a part of this where we recognize the need of the other person. We want to share the burdens of somebody else. But if we don't put proper boundaries on that, then we end, up, um, we end up being dysfunctional ourselves because we can't set boundaries. So that's the me and not me in Scripture, Galatians chapter 6. And Tracy, maybe you can just speak to this, because I think a lot of Christians would say, wait, shouldn't I be cl- compliant if I'm a Christian? Shouldn't I just say yes? Isn't it Christ-like to be walked all over? And what would your response be to that?
1: Yeah, no, (laughs) but what, what Paul is talking to is like sharing the burdens would be walking with somebody, not, not taking it from them, but walking with them, being, being there to pray with them, to encourage them, to give them, you know, wisdom or, or helping them find the resources that they need but you're not taking their load on yourself. You're not doing more for them than they're willing to do for themselves. So carrying each other's burdens means that we have the defined, understand our boundary that we know where we end and another person begins, but but our boundary isn't like this hard and fast wall that's not permeable. It's open enough that I can see then when someone else needs my attention and my care, but I don't take their situation and now take more ownership of it or let it come into my life and make it be more about me than it is about them. So walking alongside someone saying, let me, let me walk with you in this, but you still have to be responsible for your own conduct, your choices, your emotions, your words, your actions. So that's where a healthy boundary, what it looks like that we walk with someone, but we don't take on what's not ours to own. So like, for example, if, if somebody's having conflict in another relationship that I'm not obsessing over that or thinking, Oh man, what decisions should I be making for this person to deal with this situation? No, that's, that's, that's where then we would be crossing the boundary of taking on somebody else's um, conduct. What, What our job would be to say is, Hey, you know what? I feel like this relationship there's, there's some things that aren't healthy there. If I were in your shoes, here's what I would say you need to do, but then I have to release it. (laughs) That's not me to control. That person has to either take our advice or not take our advice, but they have to be responsible for what they do with it.
0: Yeah, I love in in Galatians 6, verse 9, so just a few verses uh, further on, it says, so let's not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. So I, I just want to encourage our listeners as you're thinking about maybe tackling some of these boundary issues in your life don't be discouraged it can feel overwhelming at first but boy is it is it ever worth it to establish good boundaries to be in healthy relationships in our lives and then to pass that on uh, to our kids and grandkids and all the way all the way on down, down the road that's what god wants from all of us and so i hope you'll continue to listen again we'll put the links below for the pursuegod.org resources for this and also the FlexTalk resources. So again, if you've got a friend in your life that needs this, but maybe they 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 would feel like you're cramming the Bible down their throat if you share the Pursue God uh, series with them, that's what we have this FlexTalk one for. Feel free to share that one instead. And then just pray for an opportunity at some point to share the reason for the hope that you have in Christ. So we'll see you next time. Hey listeners, Pastor Brian here. If you're enjoying our podcast, Would you consider becoming a donor? Our goal is that these podcasts would reach the largest audience possible. So obviously it takes money to create good podcasts. But more than that, we want to make sure to market this to the whole nation and even to the world. That's where your donation comes in. So would you consider becoming a monthly donor? And to do it, just visit PursueGod.org forward slash donate.